Ready to form Voltron. Activate interlock. Dynatherms connected. Infracells up. Mega thrusters are go. We are your hosts, Jessica, and I am Chris Eaton. Oh, Jessica, I am exhausted. I am so tired. Uh. <laughs> uh, for those listening, Jessica and I just spent the entire Easter weekend hiking what is known as the Los Angeles Convention Center for the 30th annual WonderCon, put on by the good people of Comic-Con International. Um... Yeah, and we have been working our butts off, have we not, Jessica? Yes, yes, we have. There was a lot, a lot of things to do during our WonderCon, which uh, in its first world, uh, first time, excuse me, mm-hmm. it's at the Los Angeles Convention Center. Yes, which uh, hopefully will be the last time it's at the Los Angeles Convention Center. Not, not the best experience at that location. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally understand. Yeah, it's I mean everything is spread out. I think it's just it's not a WonderCon issue. It's actually just the way the uh, the convention is set up. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's I mean a little bit is on. I mean I think a little bit is on WonderCon just how they how they set up everything. But it's also a matter of that just that that place is not that place really isn't. It, it was it's hodgepodge together. I mean the main hall was built there like. 25 or 30 years ago and then they added what is known as the south hall which is where all the big stuff happens across the street like some like 15 years ago after that so everything it's like a puzzle that they just keep adding pieces to um so yeah so it's a weird it's 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 not the greatest convention center in the world i mean it's mainly just because it's in la that's why it gets a lot of play um, normally, WonderCon has been held, at least for the last few years, out in my lovely hometown of Anaheim, California, and I absolutely love that convention center. Because you know why? Because they built it smart. It's a straight shot. One big super room. And uh, that's it, it, it works better for that place. But um, that's not to say that the show was all bad. I mean, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of good in it, and uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of that later. But Jessica had like... You had like four panels going on, didn't you? I did. I did. I had four panels. Give the lovely people a little insight as to what you were up to uh, this weekend. Um, I had interviews uh, in between uh, the panels during the DC at the DC booth. Mm-hmm. So I interviewed like their, the DC talents, like writers and artists. Uh, uh, Chris and I actually went to the DC Rebirth mm-hmm. event. And I did a couple of other, um, I would say, interviews. Like, I got to interview the showrunners for Limitless and Elementary, Mm -hmm. and also a few people over at Skybound and also Comic-Con HQ, uh, which is a new thing that they're actually, a new platform that they're putting out that you can be able to stream original content and movies. 
Uh, and our panels, you know, I had a wonderful fan run Wonder Woman panel. I, I had one about Dark Heroes. I had Jason Savick, um, Carrie Moore, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Sinkovich. And then I also had one with Action Lab Entertainment, which is a comics mm-hmm. company. They're wonderful. They're really great. And then on Sunday, I actually had uh, one regarding kind of like su- superhero team-ups uh, with Charles Schull and uh, the wonderful Brian Michael Bendis. Ooh, so it was you're, really interesting. You're rubbing elbows with comic royalty there. They they are they are comic royalty. I I hope that they believe that they're also comic royalty. I think Bendis believes he is comic royalty at this point. So <laughs> it, it's not you know what he, but, I really like Bendis. That's true. Work. <laughs> but you know Brian was very you know really humble and really nice and he's extremely funny and and really a really great person to actually have on a panel. It was a yeah. I was I was a huge. Huge fan of his X Men runs um, in the last like the last five years. Uh, his Uncanny X Men was fantastic. I loved what he did with Scott uh, post uh, X Men versus uh, the Avengers. Um, and uh, his, uh, the, the best the best book was All New X Men. I that, I thought I was absolutely really thought that book was going to kind of blow, but uh, that turned out to be one of the the best things Marvel had put out in a long time. And then. Um, mm. Marvel put its head up its ass again, and I stopped buying their stuff. So, nothing against Bendis, and nothing against that run. It's great. I got them in trades. I will always cherish them. But uh, yeah, they ain't getting no money out of me right now. Yeah, because I take stands. But uh, but no, I mean it was uh, so. Yeah, you were all over the place, um, especially this weekend. Is considering your Wonder Woman panel is very apropos of the time. You know, because a little tiny independent film came out this weekend called uh, Batman vs. Superman. So everyone has Wonder Woman fever right now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, how did that one go, by the way? Um, It was really, really well received. Uh, There was, I was really, really surprised and just so happy because it's, a panel is a panel, but what really makes it not only is the guests, but also the attendees. So actually attendees were coming to wait in line about 30 minutes before the panel even started. And, and the whole room ended up being full and there was only standing room only. Nice. See, look at that. So I was really, really, really blessed to have such a wonderful attendees come and even want, I mean, I'm just the moderator, mm-hmm. but it was great to have people come and listen to all of what the panelists actually had to say. So, well, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, well, we're in the, we're in the Wonder Woman renaissance right now, so I'm pretty sure everyone has, uh, has their own say, especially after watching Batman, which seems like everyone's got an opinion on Batman versus Superman after this weekend, too, so, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a show for another day, (laughs) we're not not gonna jump into that right now, um, actually, we're just gonna, we're actually gonna make this episode short, because, um, I'm actually going out the door, 12 hours from now when, when we're recording this I'm heading out to Dallas for the week because I'll be going to Wrestlemania so um, I wanted to get something uh, up and out for you people for then so the, once again Jessica and I are recording this in the bowels of the morning um, it's, a, it's about 1240 right now as we record this so um, 
We're gonna hop. We're, we're gonna come back to WonderCon because top uh, the the end of the show we got something big to talk about. You know, very much related to what we discussed. But first things first, Jessica, some sad sad news this last uh, about a week ago now, the passing of of uh, of uh, a man who uh, has locked himself into somewhat infamy with uh, with the Godzilla fandom. Keith Emerson passed away sadly. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Keith Emerson was part of a progressive rock band called Emerson Lake Palmer, or ELP, a, uh, a group that uh, one Mr. Ryui Kitamura was a huge fan of, and uh, asked Mr. Emerson to lend, you know, a score uh, most of the soundtrack for uh, Godzilla Final Wars, the movie he directed. Um, for For those who don't know who Emerson uh, Lincoln Palmer were um, I got a, you'll probably know this song I, I, I pulled a little uh, a tiny little uh, snippet That's the end theme I'm going to play at the end of the show. This song is the song probably everyone best knows from them. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass, there's a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. God-given talent uh, to ever be said, man. That was him with the with, with the keyboards. Uh, he uh, sadly passed away last uh, about two weeks ago at the age of 71 from uh, circumstances I don't really want to go into right now. We're not here to talk about how he died. Talk about uh, here to talk about his life. So, um, besides being a great keyboardist and a great uh, band, uh, he helped scored Final Wars. That's what most of anybody that's listening to the sound, uh, this podcast would know him from. Um, as uh, I played a little bit a second ago, uh, this is the, uh, the main theme that he wrote. Uh, he added a lot. There was actually a ton. There was actually a bunch of tracks. I don't want to say a ton, but there's a bunch of tracks that actually did not end up getting used, which were later released, um, I think about five years later, on like an extended soundtrack for Final Wars. But this, this is the track everyone knows best if you if you're releasing this podcast. Also scored a, uh, a few, um, few other films: uh, Inferno, Nighthawks, uh, <laughs> Murder Rock, 
uh, and a uh, an anime called uh, uh, Harmageddon. So he was no stranger to doing kind of like this, you know, this sort of stuff. And uh, from all reports, that he only had like two weeks to to score what he was able to score for the film. Um, and like, say what you will about the movie, that I still love that soundtrack to that film. I love everything about that film, but it's hard to uh, hard, it's hard to deny that uh, that soundtrack is one of the most unique of any Godzilla film. So, um, just to uh, to to get a, f- a, f- a final word, we actually, I reached out to uh, Mr. Kitamura to uh, see if he had any words that he wanted to uh, pass along, and uh, this is what he's this is what he sent us. Um, Keith was my hero, my mentor, my very special friend. It was an honor to finally have a chance to work with him after being a hardcore fan for more than 20 years on Godzilla Final Wars. He was the person who proved me that the dream, that dreams come true. I thank for all his music, passion, and friendship. I will always love him and miss him and look forward to meeting him again someday up there in heaven. That's uh, the words from Mr. Ryue Kitamura. So... I felt that uh, we should have uh, you know, discussed uh, this a bit and uh, you know, get a word from the man who worked with him. So, uh, if, you know, it, if anything, here's a toast. Raise whatever glass you're drinking. I got a Coke Zero in my hand right now to uh, Mr. Keith Emerson. Uh, you know, great man, great, great talent, and uh, scored a hell of a soundtrack to a hell of a film. So, all right, let's move along from the depressing news, Jessica, real quick. Did you see the, uh, the, someone made a retro Pacific Rim cartoon opening. Did you see this? I did. I did see it. It was pretty dope. So it was done in the style of like 80s, like or late 70s, early 80s anime. And it's all completely Gigantor, om- Gigantor Mazinger homaged. Um, oh, it's a work of art. Just, just, I don't know. How would you how would you best describe it, Jessica? You know, something about it reminds me a little bit of Hanna Barbera. Really? Yes. Is Which it... seems really, really weird because there isn't because this looks exactly like I would say if a Japanese teen company was hired to do Hanna Barbera cartoons. Well, that's that's not Kinda. the that's not the first. I mean, yeah, companies have done that. I mean, most famously was with that um, that Ultran cartoon that they did. Right. I believe they split the work right. between uh, it was themselves and another Jap and another company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like it's like a nowadays a lot of times when you're watching a lot of Warner premiere mm-hmm. movies, they're great. They're they're absolutely wonderful. But then you also see a lot of like credits given out to those that are you know from the korean animation Mm -hmm. and so this is what i would expect if all of a sudden they were like we need you guys to do something to kind of revamp pacific rim Mm -hmm. but in the love of hannah barbera and then we would see something like this i love how you put that for the love of hannah barbera (laughs) which i i miss him like tears like tears go down my eyes whenever i think about this Mm Well, it, it it hits that it hits that sweet spot. Everything, Jessica loves everything robots and everything uh, old school cartoons too. Yes, 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 yes. It's amazing. I actually wanted to say during my uh, Wonder Woman panels, 
um, I asked if there were any questions. And of course, you know, I very politely reminded people that opinions are for private time Mm -hmm. after the panel outside, because usually there's a panel that uses the room immediately after. But, you know, this is a time for questions. Mm -hmm. Someone stood up and started out and it sounded like a statement. I mean, it ended up being a question, but it turned out to be this was a guy who drew an animated Wonder Woman in the original Super Friends for five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like, you, sir, it's okay. <laughs> we, we, we want that opinion and comment to come. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did, he did end up ending with the question. He had something for uh, Steven Sears, you know, uh, the executive producer of Xena. But he did want to say that he animated Wonder Woman, and so he really understands and knows the character, which I thought was absolutely great, and I thought that was really cool. But he didn't get up there and it's like, this is, this is horse crap. I should be up on there on that panel. He didn't pull that, did he? No, 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 no. He didn't. He did. It was, he was very kind. He was very nice. Good, good, good on him. And he didn't didn't hijack uh, the panel either, right? No, he did not. No, that no he did not hijack it. No, he just he just stood it up very nicely and kind of just answered everything, you know, everything we needed to know about Super Friends, but also did ask a question at the end. Um, well, honest, uh, before I forget, I want to give some credit where credit's due for this Pacific Rim title sequence. It's by a gentleman by the name of uh, Jermaine uh, Karen, C-A-R-R-E-O-N. Mm-hmm. So a little shout-out to him, a little love, um, because it's, it's, it's exceptionally well done. I mean, hell, everybody picked this thing up, which did bring up, it's like, what the hell's going on with the Pacific Rim anime, which or animated series, which no one seems to know. I, was, I mean, after the debacle of the on-again, off-again sequel. Um, news of that has kind of fallen to the wayside. I'm hoping we hear something at Comic-Con. That's usually yeah, Legendary I'm hoping to, to as well. Yeah, Legendary likes to make a big splash there, so I'm hoping that they announce something there. Because, um, you know, they, it's going to be a big year this, Jess, this year, Jessica. We're probably going to see some stuff from King Kong. Ooh, can't wait. Yeah. Yes, that would be awesome. So, I mean, it comes out next year. They just finished filming, so I'm assuming that's... I'm going to put good money. I mean, considering that um, Marvel... I mean, Disney's kind of moving Marvel away from Comic-Con. I mean, it just came out today that next year, uh, D23, the Disney Expo, is going to be one week before Comic-Con. I know. We will We will most likely, hopefully, we know, be at G-Fest. So that's sad. I, I wanted to go to G twenty three. I know that's um, it's gonna make a lot of things very difficult, but uh, that also means that Marvel and any anything Disney is probably not gonna be at Comic Con. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be very curious how that deters. If that's gonna be a deterrent for people because both those shows are not cheap. Wonder D twenty three for myself it cost me two hundred and ten dollars to go last year. They only gave us one press badge, and they're like, you got to figure out the rest on your own. So, yeah, I paid a lot of money out of pocket to go to that show for three days, and then uh, you figure Comic-Con is also about 200 bucks for five days? Yeah, people are going to have to start making a Sophie's Choice. And uh, if Marvel's showing up at, Con- at, well, at D23, which uh, puts on a much better presentation than anything done at Comic-Con, uh, I got a feeling people are going to start shifting over to that. Um a little bit more. Uh, hopefully, yeah, I mean, and that's the other thing, too. It's going to run into, into G-Fest, too, which is going to suck major. Ugh. It's, it's, 
It's a, it's a tough time we're living in, Jessica. It's a tough time. Yes, it is. We have all kinds of pop culture things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I mean, we live in a time where there's so much that you can actually go, meh, to something awesome that, like, 20 years ago we would have been dying for. Um, uh, oh, before I forget, um, in a few weeks, uh, which I've not seen any previews for, they're just kind of putting it out there, there's actually going to be a King Kong series coming to Netflix. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, there's one piece of promo art, and that's about it. There's no trailer yet. There's nothing else. It's just, hey, April 18th, show up. We'll have it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be very curious how that's going to work out. Um, but uh, when, it, when, it, when it debuts, uh, we'll talk about it. It will probably That'll probably be the show before Monster Palooza, which um, uh, we might have a very, very big thing a very big podcast plan for Monster Palooza. I've been talking to some people. Um, you know, we might have Chris Mowry coming back up uh, and heading on the show, and uh, th- th- there's a lot of cool things planned. So if you're out in Pasadena, uh, I believe the weekend of the 23rd, come on out, check us out. We'll we'll definitely be out there hanging out. Uh, I know Kyle from the uh, Kaiju Cast is coming down. Mark will be there. The whole gang's going to be there. Just say hi. What's up, yo? Come chat. We're, we'll talk giant monsters. Uh, all the Godzillas are going to be there. Artists, everything. It's an awesome show. And it's in Pasadena. It's a hop. It, Jessica can skateboard down there from her uh, from where she lives. That's how close she is to her place. So just just come out and say hi. Uh, but speaking of Netflix, Jessica, the big thing we must talk about and uh, I know I'm getting a little off track because it's not exactly kaiju, but screw everyone else. This is uh, our show. We can talk about what we want, and it's still within the very realm of everything that we love. Jessica Voltron is coming back. Yes, it is. It is. And uh, thank you to uh, Chris and George Cadero. <laughs> I was able to attend the Voltron press. Yes, you've been event, yeah. and I was very, very, very happy to be there. So, unfortunately, you missed the panel, but you were actually hosting your own panel at the same time. So, the, you know, can't you, we, we can't fault you for that. But uh, if you've been online the last few days, you probably saw the promo that uh, Netflix released, which is like a short one-minute clip, gives you almost no idea how this show's going to be and uh the but the panel did, the panel gave you a perfect example of what this show's going to be and uh Jessica it, it brought a tear to my eye I'm not going to lie I am a grown man 6 foot 1 over 300 pounds I wept I wept a little bit because well as as deep as Godzilla goes Voltron edges out Godzilla in just my pure like the the purest moment of my youth like, I discovered Voltron, like, mere months before I discovered Godzilla. So, it's always going to have that stamp of, like, inside of my psyche that this is, like, the, the, it was the, the most innocent years of my life are getting up and watching Voltron on Saturday mornings. So, uh, believe me when I say that <laughs> That's a I, good thing, though. That's a good thing. Oh, it is. It is. Like, there's, I've, I've, I've had people look at me when I'm watching that opening, and, I get all, I get weirdly emotional, and they're looking. It's like, what in God's name is wrong with you? I'm just like, shut up. I'm having a moment. But <laughs> there's, look, um, the original show, yes, has not aged very well. 
Um, especially oh, God, no. Oh, no, it hasn't. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I love Voltron so much, yeah. but it's one of those shows that, does, like, you cannot go back and rewatch it, no. especially in that one episode in which Chris was there when I kept asking the talents mm-hmm. whether these particular characters will be there. It's because <laughs> when I was young, the episode was awesome. Mm-hmm. Rewatched it, and I was like, ooh. I was a little one, but due to the fact that they were so cute, I still it, that episode still holds a very special you, heart for me. Space mice? I mean, very a very special part of my heart. She's talking about the space mice, and you're talking about the episode, <laughs> talking about the episode where they had to actually they're fighting off. Or was it the one where they fighting off the mutant cats that Hagar sent? Yeah. Yeah. It was like a whole thing. The whole episode dedicated to the mice. Like they had to like these cats. Hagar sent in these, like, Robies cats into the castle to, I believe it was to steal the keys to the lions, and the mice were the only ones that could properly fight them off. And, yeah, the whole episode, it's like the mice going through, like, all their little tunnels and stuff like that. But as Jessica Roth brings up, look, I, I love that show more than anything else. I love watching the fight sequences, but when you watch, sit down and watch Voltron, not, not um, uh, uh, Godby's Go Lion, Voltron, it is, uh, there's a lot of hard edits in that show where when you're a kid, you don't know that. Like when I was a kid, I, I didn't pick up too much on the lots of footage being reused in uh, Power Rangers when they were splicing like four or five shows together. Like oh, yeah. Was, oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't notice it. I was just there for the yeah, fun. Exactly. When you, you notice that like, hey, the white, the Tiger Zord's not really hitting anything right now. What the hell's going on here? It's just a shot of it swinging, and all of a sudden the monster goes flying in another direction. It's like, huh. And then when you get older and you learn about filmmaking, you're just like, oh, that's what happened. Yeah, there's a lot of that in Voltron. There's a ton of hard edits. Part of it is because you couldn't have bl- 1984, you couldn't have blood on TV. You, a character could not die like that. Even though a year later in um, Robotech, they kill off Roy Fokker. Um, but Sven, in the original show, he dies. Hagar kills him in, like, the fifth or sixth episode, and then Allura famously takes over. Now, in that sh- in, at the end of the series, though, Sven's twin brother shows up and kills Lo- uh, uh, Lotor. They, like, fall to their doom. If you will go back and watch the episode where Sven returns, as I, in, as I put in uh, quotation marks, um, that scene happens where Sven and Lotor are fighting, and they fall off. And they fall into the water, and then Allura and Keith, there's a shot of them looking, oh, and then you hear Pidge off screen, oh, thank God, they land in the water. And then all of a sudden, snap like that, Lotor's in a sub, taking off, saying, I'll get you next time, Voltron Forge. And I'm sitting there like, wait, what? It is the most ADD thing you'll ever see, but when you're six years old, you don't care. It's like, oh, well, they'll be back again another day. So, that being said, I still love Voltron. I have my Masterpiece Collection Voltron sitting here. I have my, from Comic-Con about five years ago, I have the Blazing Sword Voltron that Mattel put out. One of the only things they ever bothered to put out. When we started Mattel, I hate that company so much because of the way that they treat their crap. <laughs> oh, oh, I, go, you, you listen, go back to listen to a few uh, take twos that George and I talked about, especially on, um, around uh, Toy Fair. We have much disgust, disgust for that company just because they never learned their lesson. They never learned their damn lesson, and it's a it's it, it's a shame because they have some of the best properties out there. 
and they don't know what to do with them. Like, He-Man, like, they could... <sighs> He-Man 2002 bombed because of them. It was their own fault. They, dr they drove it into the ground using tactics from the late 1980s that don't exactly work anymore. And that that's a property that could actually be a full-scale, like, Transformers-esque thing today, but they just can't pull their heads out of their ass about it. And uh, don't get me started on any of their licensed stuff. Like, I love their Ghostbusters figures that they made, but how they distributed them was the, the their club motto, their club method, is the stupidest thing in the world. It was outdated five years ago, and they're still doing this, this thing. They did it for Voltron, too, when they got the Voltron license. They had a lot of cool things planned. It, they got it around the time the Voltron Force, the last show, which I'm going to get into in a second, came out. Now, at that, that year at Comic-Con, I think it was, it was like 2012, they had a um, the, the mock-ups of the lines from that show and what they would look like when they formed Voltron. These things were awesome. I don't see what you said well about the show, but I did like the designs, and those toys looked fantastic. I'm like, you know what? I will buy that Voltron. Guess what never came out? That Voltron. You know why? Oh. why? Because they... They screwed their own license. So, Mattel can go to hell. I could say many, I've said many, many dirtier things about them, but that's for another show, and I keep it, try to keep it clean here. So, going back, love Voltron. Love it dearly. It is, you know, it might as well be a third parent for me, as much as Godzilla is. Um, back in 99, when CG was starting to become a thing that everyone did for shows, all of a sudden, out of nowhere... Uh, on Channel 11 at 11.30, when the main cartoon lineup is done, Voltron, the third dimension, pops up. Now, at this point, I'm hardcore watching Beast Wars. And to this day, I still declare Beast Wars one of the finest in terms of storytelling shows ever created. I love Beast Wars. more. I would dare say more so than the original Transformers, as much as that was a very, you know, soft spot for myself. I love Beast Wars more than love, love, love Beast Wars. So I'm like, oh, cool. Voltron in the Beast Wars said style. And mind you, at that same time, there was the Starship Troopers show that was on, which was fantastic. I'm like, oh, this will be awesome. Yeah, that show really wasn't that awesome. That show was... Look, I'll give them credit. They, uh, it, It's a sequel show. They did what they could. They did what they had. <clears throat> um, it's just... It, it just seemed like they couldn't get the formula that made the first Voltron work so well. They, they tried, you know, upgrading Voltron, giving him, like, a bunch of, like, cool new modes. Trendmasters put re-released, like, the original Voltron, and then they put out the um, third dimension Voltron, which was, like, some stealth, you know, like a stealth armor that he had. It just, it lacked a punch, because the anime, the an they weren't there with the animation yet, so all the characters had this, had that uncanny valley dead look in their eyes, and there was just, like, a softness to the animation that that even as as uh, crude that Beast Wars looks today, it still has a liveliness to it that that show did not have. And <clears throat> yeah, the storytelling wasn't the strongest thing in the world either. So, uh, so okay, first Voltron show in like 12 years, not the greatest thing, but at that point, you take what you can get. So then we smash cut to another 12 years later or 10 years later, and guess what's showing up? freaking Voltron Force, and I covered this immensely back, uh, you know, the earlier days of the Realmcast, it's to the point that I got the show to actually follow us on Twitter, and I'm just like, oh man, look at these, awesome. these suits are awesome, and all this stuff, the, like, the designs are cool, 
And then <clears throat> when the details start coming out that they're introduced, it's going to be another sequel show. They're introducing these new kids that are going to be the next generation. That's when I start kind of getting a little itchy. I'm just like, all right, where, where, are, you, where are you going with this? What's going on here? Um, and then they had the theme song come out where they proclaim, let's Voltron, which apparently turns Voltron into a verb of some sort, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So <clears throat> then I watched the show. Now, again, the show had some really cool ideas. The swapping out of the, you know, the different lines of the body, even though it really doesn't make sense that the arms, when the arms are much smaller than the rest of the lines. Okay, so that's cool, whatever. Um, they played up, they actually, they, they brought up some good points, like, why didn't they just turn to Voltron right away and just slash everything with the sword? They actually, there was some thought put out. Unfortunately, the storytelling really wasn't that um, cohesive, and the animation really wasn't that great. And it suffered from that thing where it's it's in today's day and age of animation, uh, people have gotten lazy drawing mechs, Jessica. Like, for some reason, no one wants to draw them anymore except you're in Japan. Everyone just does them with CG. So when you mesh anim cell animation with CG, it doesn't look the greatest. And it's even when they do it in, in Japan, it still doesn't look right. Like, I like my mechs hand-drawn. There's, there, there's a liveliness to them. I don't, I don't know how you feel about that. You know, I think if it's a CG robotic action scenes versus hand-drawn, hand-drawn has a little bit of very, very, very slight, you could see that it's hand-drawn. Mm. Like if you're watching The Little Mermaid versus mm. something that it's been done now in Disney. But it's something that you're still used to and very familiar with. And somehow to me, it feels more organic and fluid. And when it comes to something that's actually CG done, while it's done by a computer and it it's more smooth, something about it just doesn't strike your eye correctly. Sometimes it feels a little bit like unnatural. Yeah, like there's so a weird, like yeah, a so there's like there's something it. about it almost. And then sometimes if it's done well, it looks almost too perfect. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, much akin to say, um, oh be the best example right now top of my head well i mean like uh do you remember that that anime blue sub number six yeah 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 yeah, yeah kind of like the, the stuff in that like when they were like yeah we'll just do this actually in the best example last a uh, couple of apple seed films when they went that weird cg route with him yes yes i totally know what you mean <laughs> which um oh god i forgot to even watch those up until about this moment when i brought it back up <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, they, those weren't great. But I digress on that. As Voltron Force, um, as much as they tried, kind of blew. So, which brings us around to Friday night, WonderCon. I'm sitting in a panel room in the middle of the convention center. And uh, one, Laura Montgomery, the great director of the Green Lantern animated film, First Flight, and the Wonder Woman co-director of the Wonder Woman animated movie is sitting next to Joaquin Dos Santos, the director of many of the great DC animated shorts that uh, came out about a couple years ago, like the Jonah Hex one and uh, the uh, Superman Shazam uh, team-up film. Uh, they were there to announce that A, they are uh, sh the showrunners for the new Netflix Voltron 
So I didn't ask, but it looks like that DreamWorks has wrangled Voltron away from Event World Productions, which is going to be interesting if if they really have. Uh, right. This, this is the first time right. they, I, their name was nowhere to be seen on any of the material, which is something to say because they were as much a part of Volt of anything Voltron in the last twenty five, almost thirty years, um, as say uh, Harmony Gold has been with Robotech. Um, they just haven't been as um, uh, uh, dicey with the property as Harmony Gold has been with, with, with Robotech. But I digress. So the way it was worded was, hey, DreamWorks has um, Voltron. We're going to turn it into a Netflix show. So this was it, this was kind of dropped on everyone about mm, about six weeks ago. I think we mentioned it like on like a podcast or two a while back. And then uh, we didn't know anything until about three days ago or four days ago when they're like, hey, this is who's doing it, and we're going to re reveal everything else at, at the show. So uh, my butt was – it was standing room only for that for that panel too. Like uh, my buddy George and I just barely inched our way in there, and we kind of used our press prowess to uh, to warm our way in there. But believe, it was so worth it because um, when that first footage rolled, because uh, they brought like four or five clips, and uh, – as they introduced the cast, and they, each clip was something unique to it. So we got our first look at the Voltron Force in action, and Jessica, it looks like an episode of Korra set in the Voltron universe, which immediately just was like, oh my god, yes. So much yes. So, I mean, if you're a fan of Avatar or The Legend of Korra, like, already you'll love this show. Just in the, the four and a half minutes they showed of it, you will immediately fall in love with it because, especially Lance is very much uh, Sokka from uh, from uh, Av uh, Last Airbender, and a lot of Bolin from Legend of Korra. Like you will, everything about the designs are beautiful. Studio Mirror, the the, comp the studio that did av both Avatar shows, is animating this, so it's very much in that same style too. So right off the bat, I'm just like, oh, thank God, a it's not CG. And B, like there, there's a life to it, that, and it's well done life uh, already in the in the animation. the The second thing that they showed was um, that they gave us the, they gave the tone. The tone is very much in the same tone as Core, where it's it's a serious show with uh, a, there was a lot of lightheartedness in it, but it's never too over the top. It's never too kitty. It's just the right amount of like banter back and forth, you know, between the characters. And this show is going to be exceptionally heavy on character development. Like they they even said there's going to be episodes, and it's, I believe it's 13 episodes. There will be full episodes where Voltron doesn't even show up at all. Like they are really heavily focusing on the backstories of the Voltron Force, which uh, uh yeah, some interesting uh changes with that as well. So, um you have Lance, Keith, Pidge, and Hunk. Your normal, you know, the the main guys. You know, you're the four out of the five. Sven, the character Sven, is not Sven. He's being he's they're they're shortening his Japanese character's name and calling him Ishiro, and they made him the leader. He's now the de facto leader. He pilots the Black Lion too, so they swapped. Uh, so Keith is now piloting Red the uh, Red Lion. And Lance is piloting the Blue Lion, so right there, right at the bat, they're already making a big change. Which some people are like, if you're a hardcore Voltron fan, you're like, oh, what, what, what the hell? But believe me, it works. So, um, and the 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 one thing I couldn't tell from where I was sitting, 
uh, Ishiro, aka Sven, had looked like he had like a big white spot on the top of his head, and it turns out when I looked at the production material, he's got like a skunk stripe, like on the in the, in the quaft of his of the front of his hair. So it, it was a little weird looking when uh, we're seeing like this uh, watching from a monitor about 40 feet back. So uh, it looked a lot better up close. Uh, the thing, the 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 third thing that they showed us was the actual. They showed us a row beast, and they showed us the lions fighting him, and the actual transformation sequence into Voltron. Uh, the it, it is, as mind you, I just went on this whole jag about CG. There, it's it is kind of CG, but it's the same amount that they they did for, say, the uh, the big mech that Kavira had in uh, the the last few episodes of Korra. And if you've seen those, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's very smooth, very fluent. Uh, and they, th this team apparently loves Gal Gygar, if you've ever seen that show, because the transformation sequence is, it lacks the the epicness that the original had, especially with the, the rad synth guitar jamming in the background as the lines are roaring and they're, you know, folding into like their arms and legs and Michael Bell is not screaming you know four feet and legs and all form the head there, there's none of that but it, it's still pretty f it's it, I mean th there's detail to it that I've never seen before like all the interlocks all of the um, the mechanisms that form the robot like the the arms pop out the head changes into like you know a it's still a lion head hand but it like there's movement in the neck so it becomes an actual full rotating, you know, wrist, all this stuff. Um, Voltron's slicker. He's a little bit slicker. He's not too slick. The wings are... The wings on the back are massive, and he's got a freaking crest shield on his shoulder, so he looks awesome. And uh, the Robies are very more... They're not... Um, the, one, the one Robies they showed us was uh, very much out of something I like out of Gigantor. Like, it was this huge steam kind of punkish robot that had that swung around an energy weapon um, that was tethered to it somehow. It, it, it looked there was no like chain or anything like that, but it swung this giant glowing ball around like a like a battering ram. They didn't show the sword formation or anything like that, but they showed Voltron and the and the Robies clashing for a minute and then they just kinda went away from that. So mind you, had they showed any any of that in the, the trailer that Netflix released, people would not be like, eh, I don't know right now about it as they're kinda They've been, as people have been talking about it right now, but needless to say, like all of my fears of like uh, this might be another BS Voltron show were flushed down the drain in the course of four and a half minutes, and I felt like a child again. I can't, I can't wait for this to. I'm actually, Jessica, I'm going to say something blasphemous. I'm actually looking forward to this a little more than I'm looking forward to the new Godzilla movie right now. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, throw me on the stake. Light the fire, but yeah, uh, until I see like a full trailer for that for uh, Anno's Godzilla movie, like this is the thing I am jazzed and pumped for right now more than anything else, because they as you know we talked to Laura Montgomery and Joaquin Dos Santos, and I just I Jessica can attest to this. She sat there and watched me completely lose my professional uh, grasp on reality, and just was just blowing smoke up these up, up these two great and you know these animators and, and writers as butts as I was just like you got you, you did it I didn't think anybody could ever crack this puzzle but they managed to do it and not only did they do it they did it with the team that has 
that gave us one of the greatest uh, stories in the last like ten years in the Avatar story. I I love Avatar. I love both Avatar series. I love Korra just a little bit more, but I love both those shows. I love the the look, everything about it, and pretty much they just took the love of my adult life and the love of my childhood and just shoved them together in a jar, shook it up, and then served it to me, and I drank it all. And now I'm like insane for it. I can't wait. I cannot wait for this. Um, so, yeah, we, I mean, we did, Jessica and I did score a little bit of information in the press event afterwards. I mean, the whole... <laughs> I felt bad because much like I'm doing right now, I, I was going on in a, like, I was kind of, unfortunately, leading the conversations with the cast and crew because the, I, my nerd card really flew high. I mean, I, I, how, how, I mean, how much of an ass did I make out of myself, Jessica? I personally don't think you made an ass of yourself. I think you just showed how much you love Voltron. And I think it actually made the talents very excited because at least they know that they're speaking to press who love it mm-hmm. and not press that are just there to cover it and mm-hmm. then ask the generic questions, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like the, we had another, we were doing round tables cause it was mostly, that's what it was. And like, if we have time, we'll do some one-on-ones, but, um, there was another, there was another website sitting at our table and I felt bad cause I noticed it's like, I've asked like four questions and I'm just like, Oh, maybe I should let the next person, Ask, and I think by the time the third roundtable came off, the the, the 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 nice lady across, she's like, "Just, I'll ask one question. You just keep going, cause you're at." She was just she kept asking the same question anyway. She's like, "You go. You know what you what the hell you're talking about." So, um, a, a, speaking of which, let's uh, they did announce the cast. I have it right here in front of me. So let's go down the line real quick. Um. Jeremy uh, Shada from Adventure Time, from Adventure Time is Lance. Bex Taylor Klaus uh, from Arrow is Pidge. So they got a girl doing Pidge, and uh, she does not have the Pidge voice. That I, I can I whatever the hell that voice was that the original Pidge voice that is not it. Uh, Josh Keaton, he's kind of come back from kind of being in the ether for a while. Uh, he's going to play Shiro, the new leader, aka Sven. Lacking a uh, Scandinavian accent too. Um, Stephen Yoon uh, from The Walking Dead is Keith, so a lot of people were bummed that he wasn't there. Uh, I'm not a wa- I don't watch Walking Dead, so I wasn't as bummed. So uh, Kimberly Brooks. Oh, that's the other big change. Uh, they didn't really switch up any of the which I I thought was going to happen. They didn't really uh, change any of the ethnicities of. Um, the uh, the main cast stands for the Sven character, who is who looked uh, Japanese anyway in the original cartoon. He just had a weird Scandinavian accent. He's pretty much full on Japanese. Um, uh, he's the only big change. But uh, Princess Allura is now a uh, she's black now, it's, which was an interesting. That took the whole panel by surprise. Everyone was just like, "Whoa, that's a." How and like she is full out regalia, like she is like full on princess. And apparently, you know, they they didn't show anything of of uh, they only showed us a design for uh, Laura and Koran. Uh, Koran is actually being voiced by uh, Rice Darby from uh, Flight of the Concord. So he's got like he's doing his excuse me his full um, uh, New Zealand accent. 
So he is not the stoic Peter Cullen Coran that we've all known and loved. He, and they, they actually made some changes to that too. They did mention the Coran is old as hell, and he actually might be like some like energy being of some sort. But he he's got a look to him. Um, they haven't revealed that yet, but they'll they'll probably reveal that as close as the show comes out. And then finally, choice casting. No, as choice as 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 uh, Ryan Reynolds as. Deadpool. They got Tyler uh, Taylor Labine uh, from uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, and most famously from uh, Reaper, to play Hunk, which I was over the moon about. I'm like, yes, this, it's perfect. Jessica, how perfect is that? Really, really perfect. I remember when you told me, mm-hmm. my eyes popped open. I'm like, that is great. That's like perfect casting, kind of like a Robert Downey Jr. for Iron Man. Exactly. Exactly. Like when you first hear, like, wait a minute, and you put two and two together, like, oh my god, that works on so many levels. Um, and then finally, they—I mean, they didn't—I believe they announced who Lotor was, but I, for, I didn't. I don't have it in front of me at the moment. But today, they did announce who's going to play Hagar. Uh, Cree Summer will be doing Hagar, which is awesome. I love Cree Summer. Uh, if you don't know Cree Summer, uh, shame on you. Uh, most famously, she was Penny in Inspector Gadget. Uh, I know and love her as uh, Elmira on Pinky the Brain. Well, she did Pinky the Brain show, but Tiny Toons, and especially as uh, Fox, as um, Foxy Brown in uh, 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 Drawn Together. So that is not a show for children either. So do not show your children that show. So yeah, she'll be playing <laughs> Hagar. Uh, it's all coming together, Jessica. Oh my God, I can't wait. Oh, this 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 was the highlight of my weekend. I got my awesome mini poster with awesome Voltron. I'm gonna frame it this weekend. It's gonna go hang up. I can't I can't wait. I hope to. I if there's a if there's a, a just enti- entity out in the cosmos, just give me ten seasons of this. I haven't even se- I've seen only like four minutes of it. I already I want like ten years of it. And since it's on Netflix, I'm going to binge the hell out of this thing. I'm just—it's going to—I'm just going to free, like, just free base it right into my into my veins. That's how much I—I I can't wait for it. So, uh, it's called Voltron: Legendary Defender. They announced the date. It is June 10th, so I only got three months. So I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and yes, the mice are back, as Jessica asked. The uh, the head writer was. Uh, the, he, he wasn't afraid to reveal. He was like, yeah, yeah, we got the mice. And that's and Jessica was satisfied for the rest of the panel. She's like, yeah, I, that's the main question I need to know. And now you may resume your questioning. Yes. Also, the mice apparently will also have backstory. <sighs> oh, I know. Uh, that, that, it, her eyes lit. You should have seen her eyes light up for that, too. Like, it was like finding out, like, Santa Claus is bringing you a new puppy on Christmas. <laughs> yes. Anything adorable, especially uh, animal-related, Jessica is just a, a complete sucker for. Yes, I will love them all. Mm-hmm. All right, well, um, we said this was going to be a quick 45-minute episode. We're already pushing into an hour, so I think we're going to leave it at that. Uh, Jessica, on that note, where can the good people find more of your work? Uh, you can actually become Facebook friends with me at Jessica Sang, T-S-E-A-N-G. Uh, just remember to please send me an inbox message so I know it's you, I guess, as opposed to a rando. Uh, never, you can never be too, too safe in the world. 
And um, you can also, from there, you can also find me on, like, thecomicbookgirl.com, Girl on Geek, and also Little Geek Girls. Yep, yep. And uh, if you want to see Jessica in action, uh, over on the Realmcast uh, YouTube page and on realmcast.com this week, I'll be putting a video of Jessica doing one-on-one uh, red carpet interviews with the cast of Justice League versus Teen Titans. So you can see her and all her prowess in action. Oh my goodness! I have not even seen myself. I, <laughs> I hope I look at least somewhat decent. Oh, you're fine. She was just more worried about because uh, standing next to six foot four Jerry O'Connell, she she looked like a four year old girl next to him. <laughs> look, I'm six one, and even I felt like a dwarf next to that guy. He's Jerry O'Connell. You can't stay mad at him. You just want to give him a hug. Oh yeah, no, he's got an extremely friendly and open demeanor about him, which is really great. I love sliders, and he counted like he's like, he's like, you love sliders? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah just, just pay attention. I'm like, what? He's like, that's all I can say. So, sliders might be coming back, Jessica. Ooh, good time to Ooh, be alive. Oh, I hope so. I really hope so. Great time to be alive. I love sliders. So, <laughs> uh, and as always, if you're listening to this, uh, sh- the show, we're over on theroundcast.com with. Now, many uh, podcasts, check out Take Two. If you want to hear like a more in-depth uh, discussion about uh, WonderCon, or if uh, you want to hear uh, my review and my buddy's review for... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm falling asleep here. Uh, Batman vs. Superman. And believe me, it is not going to be what you think it is. So, uh, it'll be uh, interesting to listen to this week, so check that out. All right, well, that will do it for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. So for myself and... Jessica! Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.